You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. With baseball in full swing and the NBA playoffs off to a hot start, you can make each and every series matter by having a little bit of something-something in the game with MyBookie.ag. Regardless of whether you're betting favorites or underdogs, player prop bets, or just looking to make some cash, MyBookie gives you tons of options to make all your favorite matches a hell of a lot more exciting. And if you're looking to bet for the first time but don't know what to bet on, we're here to help point you in the right direction. For example, say you see an NBA series in which the team that had been favored is suddenly down 0-1. But you know they're the better team. You know they're going to come back. But suddenly, the series price is a whole lot more attractive now that they're down 0-1. Well, go to mybookie.ag, fire in on that one, and make some sweet coin if it comes home. And if it doesn't, guess what? There's more NBA playoffs to come in football after that. Go to mybookie.ag, sign up now, and use promo code ZABE to get your first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Let them know we sent you. Use our promo code ZABE to get that free deposit bonus and start your day off with a win. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. Today on the ZABEcast, Stephen A. Smith steps in some deep racial doo-doo. So bad, he even had to go to the vaunted notes apology on his phone. Drew Olson joins me from 97.3 The Game to talk about exactly how and why the Bucks on the verge of an NBA championship is a really big effing deal. All that plus nothing stirs debate like candy talk. Your 45-minute dose of pure me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Tuesday, July 13, 2021. Thank you for downloading. Let's get right to it. The NBA Finals are exciting. It was great to see the Bucks get off the mat and draw blood. Um, it's a long way from over. Either way, Game 4 obviously will be pivotal, although technically Game 5 is the so-called pivotal Game 5. But we shall see. I'm enjoying this series, but then again, I'm biased. I am very much invested in and rooting hard for the Milwaukee Bucks. For personal and, of course, professional reasons. I don't hate the Suns either. To me, they're an exciting, fun team, and they're somebody different. The television ratings are telling a much different story. And you can read into this whatever you want. You can exclude from this whatever you want. What you cannot do is say, A, it doesn't matter, or B, wait, what was my B? You can't say two things. You can't say it doesn't matter, and you can't say that it's anything but really, really bad from a pure television ratings perspective. And don't say streaming. People have been saying streaming now, anytime it's convenient that ratings for television sporting events have gone down. Television ratings for the NFL are not going down. They remain like of the 30 top shows every year, according to the AC Nielsen company, 27 to 28 of them, if not more, are football games. It's the one thing impervious to time shifting, binge watching, streaming, and everything else. Everything else is going down, some more than others, and the NBA television ratings are in a free fall right now. And again, Put your own reasons into it. I'm just giving you the numbers. 
Game two of the Bucks and Suns averaged 9.3 million viewers. That was down from two years ago, which is the last non-pandemic finals. There's no point in even comparing last fall's bubble number. But two years ago, Raptors-Warriors, involving a team from Canada, and with a Warrior team that had been severely wounded by the time they arrived at the doorstep of the championship, that drew 14 million. Oof. They shed 5 million viewers in two years. What's even worse? 2018. Warriors-Cavs, the last gasp of LeBron in Cleveland. The Warriors blew through them like grass through a goose. Four games to none. Normally, sweeps deliver terrible ratings. Do you know what 2018's finals rated? Game two? when it was still a contest before the sweep was over, 18.4 million. So, in other words, in the span of three years, the NBA has shed half of its viewers on television for its most marquee event. That, my friends, is a disaster. And I am not going to say what the pie chart of reasons are. Everyone's pie chart is different, but this is bad. I'm enjoying the finals, but then again, apparently nobody else is. Maybe Milwaukee is the kiss of death. Maybe maybe nobody knows the Suns. Maybe and nobody cares about the Suns. I, I don't know, but it's an it's 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 definitely not a good thing. Okay, moving on real quick before we get to our friend Drew Olson. The Open Championship is this week, also known as the British Open, but properly called the Open Championship because it was the first and original Open Championship. The U.S. Open came along after that, and uh, it's distinguished by saying the U.S. Open. I will still sometimes call it the British Open, just out of convenience and shorthand, and I don't get hung up on the whole, you know, it is the Open Championship. British Open, U.S. Open, you know what I'm talking about. Royal St. George's, a.k.a. Sandwich which is near the village that is it is in, is a really quirky-ass golf course. Ten years ago, um, it was won by Darren Clark. Great win, emotional win. He thought he was past his time to win a major. Wonderful. Did you know this, though? Sean Martin, uh, who writes for, let's see here, PGATour.com, showed a picture of two guys about to tee off on Sunday at Royal St. George's 10 years ten years ago at the Open Championship. Two players. He writes, imagine correctly guessing 10 years ago which one of these players would be retired by now and which one would have won a major this year. You know who the two players are? Phil Mickelson and Anthony Kim. Wow. Kim was like 26 at the time, I'm guessing. He's long since retired and vanished, literally vanished like Bin Laden from any public sightings and certainly any golf-related sightings. And Mickelson, still going on. That is pretty amazing to think. Ten years ago, Anthony Kim, Phil Mickelson teed off just 20 minutes ahead of the leaders. So, in other words, they were in the mix 10 years ago. Anthony Kim, gone. Phil Mickelson, just won a major. All right, let's get to our man, Drew Olson, my colleague and friend, to talk about what it's like right now in the city of Milwaukee. Sunday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, Not since Arthur Fonzarelli once, I don't know, I should know better the history of the show. It's been a long time since there's been this much excitement in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and it's my joy now to say hello to my colleague, Mr. Milwaukee himself, the son of a Milwaukee County police officer and former head of the Baseball Writers of America, an afternoon drive host on the game, True. Olson! Hello, Zabe. <laughs> this is the happiest Milwaukee has been since Arthur Fonzarelli did what? I was about to say jump the shark, 
but that wasn't a good moment wow. in the show. No, that was not. Uh, let's see. Happy moments and happy days. Um, anything not involving Chachi would be happy. <laughs> Pretty much. What a time. What a time. What a time. Oh. I am lucky to just be a ride along beloved yet adopted hometown son. You are the genuine article and a guy who has empty nested himself into the downtown urban lifestyle where the city is throbbing right now with Bucks fever. I mean, it has it's been spectacular. It's it's been, and the great thing about this is the sports success we've experienced in this market has been the Packers mostly. Now the Brewers making it to game seven of the NLCS, which they lost at home, part of the long, long line of near misses Mm -hmm. of late in our, in our market. That was great, but that was, it was unrequited because they didn't make it. They didn't win the pennant. We didn't get to celebrate that. The deer district and the bucks happening in the middle of summer is so sweet because the Packer success has always taken place in the dead of winter when you don't really want to be outside at all. It's right. limited to indoor gatherings, lots of right. home gatherings. This, even when the Bucks are out of town and you have 20,000 people gathering for an event, is spectacular, unprecedented. We are uh, we love a good party in this in this market, and oh. we're, we're loving this one. Yeah, and the party's going on. People don't understand, my listeners, not from the area don't understand that yes the packers are liked by most people in milwaukee but they're not milwaukee they're wisconsin yes just like milwaukee is wisconsin but it's a slightly different thing also i'm not sure how many markets have a football team that a city like milwaukee biggest city in the state claims as their own but they don't actually play closer than two hours away and they don't have a hockey team even though they have one of everything else nba mlb and nfl it's an odd sort of split would you agree i would agree um we have a triple a hockey team the milwaukee admirals triple a affiliate or the uh, ahl affiliate of the national predators i don't mean to slight them and the reason you don't have a hockey team tell people is why uh because we have a basketball team we are not big enough as a market to support both playing simultaneously in the same season. No, you think about it. We, I heard it was because of the Blackhawks and Bill Wirtz. That, that was a part of, no, Milwaukee was, Milwaukee was on the doorstep back in the day in the, in the late eighties, early nineties of getting a, an NHL team. The Pettits owned it at the time. They were gazillionaires who donated the Bradley center to the city, a $70 million gift of their own largesse. Um, but th- they were close. They owned the Admirals. Lloyd Pettit was a longtime uh, radio voice of the Blackhawks, and that was like the convenient excuse. They walked away from a surefire expansion bid because the price was $50 million and they thought that was too high oh, at the no. time. They, that was a bad financial decision on their part. They thought the team would not be competitive fast enough for them to recoup their investment, which we know now is pretty silly because sports teams don't ever depreciate. They only no. appreciate, right? right. So the thing was, though, what, what it came down to is had Milwaukee gotten that team and it had played in the Bradley Center, which was, by the way, designed for hockey. You were in the Bradley Center. Yes. It was an upside down arena. There were more seats upstairs than there were downstairs. It was designed Stupid. to watch hockey. Uh, and it was their building and they owned the hockey team at the time. But the thing was that that would have killed the Bucks would have had to have left town because we just simply you think about our configuration we have Chicago two hours to the south. We have the lake two blocks to the east and to the west. We have nothing until you get to Madison, which is an hour and a half away. Right. And they have a hockey team. That's a going concern. So right. it just wasn't in the cards. I mean, um, we could have had hockey without the Bucks, but I'm pretty happy we have the Bucks these days. Well, absolutely. Absolutely <laughs> so. And, and, of course, the miracle child, the golden child that is Giannis Attentacumpo. I mean, we could talk about him. Let me get back to the hockey for a second. You're right, Drew, that – if you had two teams to fill the same building, you're going from 41 nights a year to 82 nights a year. And even if you said, well, we've got two separate groups of fans who would pay tickets to fill the seats, you don't have enough two sets of corporate entities to pay for the real high-dollar items like suites and club tickets and everything else, right? Exactly. And uh, unless the teams were owned by the same owner uh you're competing for you know sponsors and and the advertising dollars and the television rights and programming it 
unless you owned a network, I just, it, it just couldn't work. It, the, the, the population wouldn't support it. It's just, there's just not enough. As much as we love sports in Wisconsin, there's just not enough. Yeah. The uh, comparison of the Bucks to my Wizards has been rattling around my brain over the years. And I went and looked it up. I had kind of thought that you guys had as much misery as we did. Not so. The Wizards have been far worse for far longer. I mean, the Bucks had ticklings. They had inklings of greatness. And, of oh. course, they had the, the infamous trip to the Eastern Conference Finals Game 7 where they got the royal screw job from David Stern and company in that Game 7 against the Sixers. But there's been years in which you've had things going. It just sort of fell apart or never quite got traction. Yeah, recently. I mean, um, the Bucks arc, they had – it's funny because it's a kinder, gentler. It's my almost my childhood where every year the Bucks would win 50 games plus when Don Nelson was coaching and Sidney Moncrief and uh, you know Paul Pressy, Terry Cummings, mm-hmm. Paul Pressy. Those teams were great teams, and they would invariably go to deep into the playoffs and then lose to either Boston or Philadelphia in the conference finals. And it was it was uh, heartbreaking because people love those teams. They love the, the vibe of the, the old Milwaukee arena, which is now uh, home to the admirals. Interestingly enough, 11,052 capacity, the smallest <laughs> building in the, in the, in the league yep. built in 19, like 53. And people love that, but there was never, when they came up short and there was never a, Oh, the coach has to go. He just can't win the big one. And there was never, Oh, break it, break it up. And it was like, Oh man, that sucks. We'll get them next year. It was just never, there was never anger about it. It was just, it was bitter sweet, but you still love that team and those teams every year they were good. And then the Bucks had this like 20 year period where they just stumbled through the wilderness and they were awful. Ah, uh, you weren't as you, bad you as the Wizards. One, but weren't as bad as the not, Wizards. I looked, Drew. They you, were close. You had one sub 20 win season. One. Wizards had way more. And you guys had things that were kind of going, and then injuries derailed you, whether it's Jabari Parker's knee or Andrew Bogut blowing up his elbow. You had stuff going. True. It just didn't quite get traction. True. Until until Giannis came, man, I'm telling you. Right. Uh, he has been a gift, a gift from the sports gods. Well, and the thing about him is he he had to be born of a different time and place, a different country. He had to come from outside of the often corrupting AAU star system of the U.S. And he's just built different. And he just, and that's what makes him comfortable in Milwaukee. And that's partly why he wanted to stay. And I'm telling you, you and I won't live long enough to see another one of these guys. He is freakish. We spent time on the radio today trying to figure out when the last time a Wisconsin athlete was this dominant on this highest stage. Ooh. And I set the bar like, I didn't want anybody telling me about Chad Moeller of the Brewers hitting for the cycle. Chad that Moeller. Was, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Or or a uh, Bill Hall hit a home run on Mother's Day with a pink bat and his mom was in the stands. Yeah, those were nice moments. Yeah. This, is like, no, this, this was <laughs> Rodgers in the Super Bowl run that yes. the Packers had in 11, had a game against Atlanta in the uh, – the semifinal, like the, it was the whatever they call that in football. Yes. I don't even, I'm, I'm, I'm in basketball mode. The game before the NFC Championship game, right? So yeah. they he annihilated Atlanta and was he played a quarterback position about as well as I think it can be played. And I remember thinking like you're not going to see this very often. And that's the mode we're in with Giannis right now. He's at the highest level, the stage he's on. It's just spectacular, and it gets taken for granted. And to your point about him being from outside the country and outside the AAU thing. When Giannis has games like he's had the last couple of games, do you see the rest of the NBA tweeting about him like other stars? No. Crickets. Right? Crickets. <sighs> yes and no. I think part of it is your usual flyover country sensitivity to us bastards on the coast. I get it. On the other hand, you're not wrong, but it's partly because Giannis doesn't have the typical American superstar swagger. He's not swaggerish. He's a golden child. He's beautiful. He's thoughtful. He's simple. He's got no tattoos, you know? Okay. I'm not so, saying so he's not. Why would the rest of the league take to that, though? Like, why would still, 
when KD went off ah. against the Bucks, the entire league was ah. tweeted, oh, man, KD was unbelievable tonight. I know. You know they, they can appreciate to, him they just can. like everybody else. They can. And, 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 and there are people, you have to be attuned to those who are singing his praises on a national level. I just talked to Tim Bontemps for ESPN Radio and ESPN. I'm not talking media. I'm talking players. I'm oh, talking players. players. active on social. Yes. Well, I can't. I don't even monitor that, or I wouldn't even know if the players I mean, are saying that. Well, maybe because maybe be- talking about Booker and game okay. one, or that's, uh, LeBron just tweeted about Chris Paul. You know, go get him, oh, Chris Paul. Yeah. Fuck LeBron. Two to go. I, mean, I know exactly. Well, maybe <laughs> maybe the typical you mentioned about his peers. Yeah. Yes, you mentioned about his peers, and like he is not because he didn't play AAU with anybody, and he didn't go form a super team with anybody. He did talk Bobby Portis yeah. into coming to Milwaukee, but he didn't go, you know, no, get around yeah. and join anybody right. in Miami. Right. Come on. Well, okay, there's two things here. I didn't consider the player-to-player thing. I think if there is some national media that is, let's say, more tepid about what he's doing than they should be, then I would ascribe a good part of that to jealousy, thinking, well, he doesn't belong there. I can't believe he's stuck there in this, you know, working-class city in the middle of the country. You know that's a real thing. You know the coastal elites that are in the big coastal cities want the stars to be places where they want them, which is not in Milwaukee. Well, it, it cracks me up because, um, you know, it's like, oh, he's got to go to a bigger market to be a star. You don't have to. Didn't we learn yeah. that when LeBron was in Cleveland? Right. I mean, didn't we? don't we know that you can be a star anywhere? Yeah. So there's that. And I think from a player standpoint, they probably just can't quite relate to him because he, he didn't come up through the ranks with them. And maybe they see him as a bit of a, a threat to what they like to do, which is to form super teams and call their own shots. And here's a guy who decided to stay in a small market, and now they're going to get constantly asked, well, why can't you be more like Giannis? And they're like, well, I don't want, I'm not him, and I want to be like him. Stop asking me. Maybe it's that. There may, there may be an element of that. I just, it's, it's just tough for me because they usually can appreciate when guys are, you know, he's been ridiculous. It's been yeah. – Shack like it's what we're seeing. You almost have to stop and appreciate it because we take Giannis for granted. The fact that you can put him down for 32 and 12 every night when he scores, <laughs> you know, 40. He's right. Like, how about, oh my God. Yeah. It's good times. Of course, uh, they are still down 2 1 in the series in game four on Wednesday night. <sighs> Buckle up, man. That, that has so uh, much wrapped up into it because there's also a Wisconsin sports martyrdom in which fans are like, it's the curse. We always get close and lose. And I have to remind them, Super Bowl, hello. And they go, well, yeah, except for the Super Bowls. I'm like, you can't accept the Super Bowls, goddammit. I don't want to hear the since then. Since then. Okay, since then. Do you know how many cities, Drew, have gone way more years without shit? Call Detroit and ask them. I'm sure, yes. Minneapolis, Detroit, yes. Uh, Minneapolis. Yeah, actually, Detroit has won some. Red Wings, Pistons. Yeah, but but guess what? And, and and the Tigers. But get this: Minneapolis really has a sad history. Oh no question, no question. But well, they had the Twins in the what late eighties, early nineties, right? That was yeah. about it. But what's the statute of limitations on a title? When does that luster, that, that championship city thing? When does it go away? That smell because it's been ten years. I don't know since the Packers, and in that time, you've had the Badgers go to the Final Four. You've had the the, the Packers lose conference championships left and right. You've had the Buck. I mean, the Bucks were the number one seed, lost a, a two nothing lead in the Eastern Conference Finals, chance to go to the finals. Well, the Bucks are getting bounced from the bubble last year. You had the Brewers go to the NLCS and lose Game Seven at home to LA. I mean, it's been some nut kicking. You got to have a Kevlar cup to be a fan in this. I season. know, I know, which would make a championship and a parade oh so sweet and well deserved. With baseball in full swing and the NBA playoffs off to a hot start, you can make each and every series matter by having a little bit of something-something in the game with MyBookie.ag. Regardless of whether you're betting favorites or underdogs, player prop bets, or just looking to make some cash, MyBookie gives you tons of options to make all your favorite matches a hell of a lot more exciting. And if you're looking to bet for the first time but don't know what to bet on, we're here to help point you in the right direction. For example, say you see an NBA series in which the team that had been favored is suddenly down 0-1. But you know they're the better team. You know they're going to come back. But suddenly, the series price is a whole lot more attractive now that they're down 0-1. Well, go to mybookie.ag, 
Fire in on that one and make some sweet coin if it comes home. And if it doesn't, guess what? There's more NBA playoffs to come and football after that. Go to mybookie.ag, sign up now, and use promo code ZABE to get your first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Let them know we sent you. Use our promo code ZABE to get that free deposit bonus and start your day off with a win. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pivoting. Stephen A. Smith is in the news a lot. Another day, and this time he got a little bit in trouble for basically saying Shohei Otani can't be the face of baseball because, and I quote, the dude doesn't speak English. Was Stephen A. out of bounds? I think absolutely. I think, well, it was just, it was a, a stupid comment because for the five or six years before Shohei Mania, um, Mike Trout was the best player on the planet and he played in the same market for the same team and no one can pick him out of a police lineup and nobody's ever heard him at a press conference probably. Not, and to my knowledge, he speaks pretty fluent English. Not only that, but Trout basically said, man, eh, you know what? I get paid a ton of money to hit the baseball. I don't need any more money and I'm not about that to the point where I believe this dope of a commissioner kind of called him out publicly and said, hey, we'd love to market guys like Trout, but he's got to help us. Yeah, well, and the thing about Otani is, like, fans don't care about press conferences or interviews. Like, they care about what happens on the field. The dude is, like, the top-seeded guy in the home run derby. He's starting on the mound in the All-Star game. And, you know, has a chance to be the MVP. He's doing stuff that we haven't seen since Babe Ruth. And to, to suggest that, you know, he needs to learn English is – I mean, especially coming from, okay, this is a network that fired a guy who was on a sports center on a Saturday morning talking about a Jeremy Lin game and mentioned that one team showed a chink in the armor and he got bounced. He got suspended, even though Max Bratos is his name. And he was obviously making a well-known metaphor to metallurgy and chinks in the armor. He's actually married to an Asian woman, but I guess that didn't matter. So, yeah, here was a Stephen A. Smith comment. You can judge for yourself. But when you talk about an audience gravitating to the tool or to the ballpark to actually watch you, okay, I don't think it helps that the number one face is a dude that needs an interpreter so you can understand what the hell he's saying in this country. And that's what I'm trying to say. So I can tell you exactly where Stephen A. grabbed the electrified wires on this issue. That a dude, that's disrespectful, interpreter punches it up and then says, in this country, which comes off as xenophobic. Yeah, he he hit for the cycle. He touched all the bases there. Yeah. Um, Hey, you know, Giannis would be a bigger star. We were talking earlier. Maybe people would like him more if his name was Johnny Andrews. Instead of Giannis Adetokounmpo. Right. And if you gave him a backstory yeah. that was like, hey, he's from Detroit, and you maybe give him a few tattoos, and you're like, different guy. Name, watch image, Giannis's, uh, backstory. Watch Giannis's intro. Yeah, watch his intro when he got drafted and he was 18, and he still didn't know how to drive and everything. His right. English was he was hard to understand, right? He, was, he had a thick accent, and yeah. now he's come a long way. And mm-hmm. Stephen A., it was just so short-sighted of him to say that Otani, like, 
like people actually care about press conferences. People, yeah. fans watch press conferences. That doesn't have anything to do with it. I don't think they care. I do think. I mean, Otani can certainly be the face of baseball. He, he pretty much is right now. You can't quite make him a gajillion dollars in the states on endorsements if he doesn't speak the native tongue. But guess what? He doesn't care because he's making that much in Japan. I think Japanese stars yeah. have always been more hesitant to worry about learning English because they can be so lucrative back home. That's why Hideki Matsuyama, the winner of the Masters, who's been on tour for 10 years plus, can't speak English. I, I bet. And here's the thing. I covered the Brewers when Hideo Nomo dropped by for a season. He's a delightful guy. And he had an interpreter with him, too. And he spoke English. He understood everything. He talked to his teammates. He just didn't want to do it in the media because the the barrier and if it wasn't his name, I've seen this with Latin players too, right. where they're not as comfortable. And that, that was a choice he made. And one day I happened to walk into Phil Garner's office on the road someplace to do my little pregame hit. I was the only reporter on the road. And I walked in and I saw that Hideo was sitting with him. I said, I'm sorry, you guys having a meeting? I can come back. And Gar goes, Gar said, yeah, come on in. Hideo's teaching me Japanese. <laughs> I said, really? He goes, yeah, he's teaching me so that we can talk. And I, I looked and Hideo had been with the team for a couple of months. And I, I looked at him. I'm like, Hideo speaks perfectly good English. You guys don't, you don't need to learn Japanese. And he looked at me and he shook his head like, no, no. And he kind of gave me the wave like, no, I don't. No, I don't. Like you understood what I just said. And yeah. Right. He, he could speak, but he chose not to. It was a conscious choice. Uh, same thing to a point with Ichiro Suzuki, right? And it's like they chose not to. Plus, there are there were a lot of Japanese media following him around, and he did his press conferences in Japanese for them. And then he did another one through the interpreter with the English speakers, which was a double whammy for a star player. It was easier for Nomo because he only had to talk on days that he pitched, basically, to a, to a, the States. Right. If you're, then, if you're a foreign player that, ha- that speaks both languages, you almost have to do double duty. You have to do more work. Well, yeah. And he, well, he did because he was answering our questions, and then he did longer in-depth stuff with the Japanese stuff. And that's what Ichiro did the same thing. But so those guys are under those demands, and it's no different with Otani, too. And like he, he shouldn't have to, that's it. But that is not, that's not going to limit baseball. And doesn't it help to have international appeal and like sell the game and get people watching in Japan? You think people are going to watch the all-star game in Japan? I think they will. Yeah, of course they they will. will. Yeah, right. It won't make a difference is what I'm saying. Exactly. I do think though, when foreign born stars in whatever sport do learn English, and even if it is full of a couple of wrinkles and syntax errors, it's actually more endearing. It's like when Nikita Kucherov, shirtless, gives us the priceless line of number one bullshit. MVP. I was telling him every day, Why you're MVP. You, you're the best player. And then they gave it to whatever the guy in Vegas, the Vizina. And then last year, they, they gave Vizina to somebody else, number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Vice took both cups. <laughs> You know, I love that, MVP, by the way. And I was keep telling him, he's MVP. He's the guy that fucking, he's the best. <laughs> by the way, number one bullshit was, I guess, invented by uh, Namurga Madoff, the MMA fighter. He said it in 2014. That's the earliest reference I can get to it. It's now my new number one phrase for anything in life. That's number one bullshit. That is great. That is, that's fantastic that yeah. he, he did that. Sure. I mean, I, I'm with you there, but in terms of, Marketing game. I just can't get past the the Trout example. That no one knows who Mike Trout is, and you know, baseball's problems aren't that Shohei Otani doesn't do press conferences. Somebody pointed out today, Derek Jeter played twenty years and didn't say a fucking thing worthwhile in any interview, and it didn't. You know, he speaks perfect English too. Yeah. Uh, the other one I'll get for you here, Alex Ovechkin, who um, when he came to the states and came to play in the NHL, he demanded that he be ro- roomed on the road with an English speaking fellow player most of the russians tend to stick together in the nhl but ovechkin is like no i, I want to be, be with somebody and he, he learned english to the point where he uttered one of the great trademark phrases prior to the caps winning the cup he said we are not going to be suck this year <laughs> and it was like so great so when they finally won the cup and they had the parade this is what ovechkin said uh, it just insane we're not going to be fucking sunk this year. 
I love it. I love it. Stephen A, though. Or him or the other guy. I don't know. <laughs> Stephen A, though, with, I mean, the, the news that, you know, $12 million a year for him and then the whole thing about Terrible City and everything else, it's just, I don't know. I don't know how ESPN spending their money. I don't think they're spending it as wisely as they could. They don't want to pay talent, but they pay Stephen A, right? And he, right. They had him, they had him uh, in Phoenix and then doing the UFC fight, then in Milwaukee, and then Monday morning in New York, like flying across. He, oh. he posted a picture on social of himself flying private to Milwaukee. Yeah. And then he did the game and then they flew him. He was in New York for first take this morning. And so, all right, they're, they're trying to get their $12 million worth out of him. Right. But it's like putting, it's like a Literally. chef who puts ketchup. And I would say that Stephen A's takes are as unsophisticated as ketchup. They're putting ketchup in every dish they make. And it's like, stop yeah. already. You know? Yeah. And they seem to be bid- and, and bidding against themselves. I can't believe anyone else is bidding $11 million or even $7 million. I can't believe they haven't yeah, groomed then, a bunch of Stephen A wannabes to come through and do it for less. It's not well, a hard act. And then, okay, so the beautiful thing about Stephen A's Otani comments, like put aside the Milwaukee's a terrible city, and he, yeah. you know, he stands by that. He likes being the heel, right? Oh, yeah. He, he, did, an inter- he did an interview with my buddy Stephen Watson uh, like last week. And he said he was disappointed that there were only like 4,000 people that signed the petition to keep him out of Milwaukee. Um, he wanted it to be more. He thought that he was you know, sorry, Milwaukee should, should, have, right. should have been more people. He was playing the part of the Bobby the Brain Heenan wrestling heel, right? Okay. Sure. But he, he goes on the Otani take, which, by the way, was premeditated. They don't do anything on that show without, you know, storyboarding it. And they had graphics ready. And they knew the question was coming, and they, he knew what he was going to say, right? So it wasn't like a slip of the tongue. He, he had the take holstered up because this is what he was going to say. Then he puts out a video saying, you people misinterpreted what I said. I said oh boy. that, you know, Otani's great, baseball's great, but that I said that he'll never be the face of baseball because he doesn't speak English. He basically repeated, he repeated what he said. What he said. And, then, <laughs> and then a couple hours later comes the notes apology. You take to the, you know. Oh, no. I've been, I've been driving the last couple of hours. I, I might have missed oh, the notes apology. You missed the notes apology where he threw himself on the sword. The corporate no. types got to him because Manfred called Bristol and lit him up. And Bristol is in its own snit because shareholders and Disney and Maria Taylor and Rachel Nichols and Max Bredos and everything else in the history of that company oh. – Stephen A. did the full-on, I'll find it right now for you. Okay. He did the full-on notes you, you apology. You keep talking, I'm scrolling. So, wow, since the time that I was driving home, he did a notes apology. On his Twitter. Oh, my On his Twitter. God. About, what, he mentioned whatever. Violence. He re- mentioned recent violence against Asian Americans. As a black man, I should have been more sensitive. He hit all the notes that he didn't hit with his first apology. Take two was a little bit different. Say. But he, uh, at, at at twelve million or eight million, he's Teflon coated. So you know what the dogs well, will bark, but think, the caravan but, will move on. Well, yeah, but maybe. I mean, maybe with what they're in and with Maria Taylor and everything. Oh, here we go. I got it. You ready? Yeah. Here it is. The notes apology. Let me apologize right now. As I'm watching things unfold, let me say that I never intended to offend any community. All caps, particularly the Asian community, and especially Shohei Otani himself. As an African-American keenly aware of the damage stereotyping has done to many in this country, it should have elevated my sensitivities even more. Based on my words, I failed in that regard, and it's on me and me alone. Otani is one of the brightest stars in all of sports. He's making a difference as it pertains to inclusiveness and leadership. I should have embraced that in my comments. Instead, I screwed up. In this day and age, with all the violence being perpetrated against the Asian community, my comments, albeit unintentional, are clearly insensitive and regrettable. There's wow. simply no other way to put it. I'm sincerely sorry for any angst I've caused with my comments on first take this morning. Again, I am sorry, and I'll happily reiterate these words more extensively tomorrow morning as well. Yeah. You know what? Uh, okay, fine. Y- y- like, a lot of us who don't like cancel culture would be dancing around like Ewoks in the final Star Wars movie if Stephen A. were to actually get canceled and get fired over some dumb shit like this. It's not happening. No, but he can be, uh, you know, take him out of pocket. Don't let him work the finals the rest of the time. You know, just, yeah. Just take him to the woodshed. How about don't? How about don't have him work everything under the sun? 
How about you trim his expertise to what it is? Maybe boxing and basketball and leave it at that. Enough of his opinions. By the way, you know, the the whole thing, I mean, I, I have this clip from uh, the movie Rush Hour with Chris Tucker. You speak English. I'm Detective Carter. Do you speak any English? So, yeah, so that's exactly the kind of, you know, stuff that, you know, is at a very high sensitivity right now. And Stephen A. stepped right in it. Fuck him. I'm tired of him. Yeah. He, he stepped on the rake, man. And you're right. And it, it's like, first of all, and the first reaction for a lot of the hardened ball writers that I hang around with, baseball writers and stuff, they're like, whoever listens to what he has to say about baseball anyway, he knows nothing. Mm-hmm. Which you could also say about golf ufc yeah but (laughs) but that but that doesn't get you out of jail just because well we don't take him seriously anyway you know so absolutely absolutely and and is this okay so now let me ask you this is this cancel culture if people call for him to be fired because he made a lot of enemies along the way he makes 12 million yeah should he be fired for this no suspended like off the finals and you know, hey, he's going to off there for two weeks and no, think about what he I, did and take some sensitivity training. Others have gone down that road. At this point, Drew, I'm all for suspend culture. Suspend culture would be an improvement over cancel culture. People do genuinely fuck up. People do genuinely need a slap upside the head to be better and to say, okay, I get it. But they need to be given a second chance if their apology was sincere and if the original mistake could be seen in any way as genuine. That's all. So I'm for yeah, suspend culture. I'm with you. But, it, but, but we seem to have one setting. Set phasers to annihilate career and never look back, which to me is a bad policy. I'm with you. All I'm right. totally with you there. All right, Absolutely. so the home run derby is about to start, and I'm going to watch it here in a second. Uh, I don't like, Drew, that so many ball players skip the all-star game. I know that technically if they get a note from their doctor, they're excused. You could theoretically find players who don't show up. It's gotten ridiculous. And this game is going to quickly go the way of the Oscars if the, somebody didn't step up and say, whoa, 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 fellas, this is not a big ask. We fly you to the city. We parade you around in some shitty alternate all-star uniforms we sell on MLB Shop for way too much money, and you play one inning of baseball. Stop opting out. Yeah, I mean, they did the uh, they did the incentive. A lot of all-stars have incentive uh, clauses that appear in the all-star game. You get If I make the all-star team, I get an extra 200 grand or something. They used to do those anyway. Now I think that's kind of gone by the boards because when you pay somebody – 30 million a year, you kind of expect an all-star performance, right? It's well, yeah. To add and another 250 grand. I don't think they even have to show up to collect that bonus either, right? It's just, did I make the all-star team? Yes. Ka-ching. The yeah. Other, I mean, the, the other problem, uh, the other problem, Andy Poland said this yesterday here on the podcast. He said, you know, they used to play two all-star games way back in the day. And it's because yeah, they were, it started, yeah. Yeah. Cause they were good money. And the players wanted the money because their regular salaries weren't that good in terms of money. Absolutely. It was a different time, even going way, even into the seventies and eighties, you know, if if they made it, if the winners, if the winning team got 20 grand a guy and the losing team got 10 grand a guy, they were playing blood and guts, man. They wanted that 10 K. Yeah. Uh, real quick, if you could break into Rob Manfred's office, have full control of his computer, internet access, and everything as they are frantically trying to bust down the barricade that you erected to do what you could do to try to get baseball back to where it should be, what would you do in that one-hour time? Uh, man, my main thing still, when I look at the game, um, it, it was – for a long time, it was too much jacking around, guys with the, adjusting the gloves, stepping out. Everybody was – every every game was Yankees-Red Sox ALCS Game 7. You know, everybody right. was styling and profiling, right? And I thought that was the answer to speed up play. Well, now the bigger problem is the lack of action, right? right? Now it's the pitching. So I'm, I'm like they're, – they're trying it in the Sally League or whatever, but I'm about let's, – let's think about moving the mound. Wow, let's, let's move the move the mound back. How about you make the how about, make done. the make the ball a little bit bigger, <laughs> or make <laughs> or make bats that are like synthetic bats that are a little bit bigger, or I don't know, do something. You're right. There has to be more action per minute. 
not only has the pace of the game drawn to a complete funereal pace, but there's less action. It's even it's an even bigger, more expensive bag of Cheerios with less cereal inside of it. Not a good combo. I was at a game. I was at a, a game earlier this year at uh, American Family Field. There were 51 outs because the Brewers won. There was no bottom of the ninth. 51 outs and 27 of them were by strikeout Oof. between the two teams. That is the problem. <laughs> exactly. All right, Drew, I can't wait to see you again in less than two weeks, and uh, we could be headed for an amazing finish in the NBA Finals and hopefully a parade. Hey. Keep our fingers crossed. Bucks and six, baby. Bucks, Bucks and six. six. Maybe seven. <laughs> if they win, if, if they win game at four, home. Dave, I'm telling you, oh my God. at home, then it's the best. Of, here's the thing. Then it's the best of three, and yes, two games will be in Phoenix, but you've got the best player in the series by far, and the other team doesn't know how to stop him. So I like the Bucks' chances if they win game four. All right. Good to talk to you as always, buddy. I'll see you at the all-radio rock pile tomorrow. All right, my man. There you go. You know, they do have a bronze fawn statue in Milwaukee. It's a popular tourist item, tourist location thing. So there you go. Heady times in the Brew City, no question about it. Let's end on this. You want to start a small fist fight or do you want to start a war? I'll tell you how to do both. Small fist fight. Tweet a picture of two of your favorite box candies, a.k.a. movie theater candies, and declare them the Pippin, the Jordan and Pippin of candies. That's what I did. You know what the two candies are? Milk Duds. And good and plenty. Uh-huh. The vitriol that some of you have for these delicious hard pellets. Can you hear them? This is like this is like an AMSR podcast right now. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. I'm even gonna eat them on the air right now. These uh these delicious hard but chewy pellets of black licorice Mm. coated in a pepperminty pink and white shell that just dissolves Mm. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. it's good stuff the other being milk duds don't seem to generate as much heat from people although I like them they've got to be fresh Excuse me. Both these candies got to be fresh. Here. Can you hear the milk? Here. Since we're going full AMSR, let's get that. <laughs> there you go. There's the milk duds right there. I, you never know when you're buying them in the box because freshness varies. You get a box of milk duds at some country store off the beaten path that might have been there for three months. You'll bite into those and break a molar. Same thing for good and plenties, but you get both candies fresh like this. Oh, God. Are you really eating milk duds during a podcast? You're never going to get those out of your mouth. I know. Mm. Sorry. Hold on. There. I'm now holding my chewed up milk duds in my fingers in order to finish the pie. Oh, God. Gross. I don't want you to listen to it. That's all. The reaction on my Twitter feed to this is is something that's both beautiful and astounding at the same time. Such vitriol. Not that milk duds nor good and plenties have no supporters. I've got my faithful out there. And here's the thing, haters. If they sucked so bad, how come you can get good and plenty a lot of places? It's not a hard find. We're not talking Charleston chews. We're not talking about non-parails. This is a frontline candy that I love. Okay. If you want to start a war, here's how you do it. Time Magazine has an essay arguing that we need to socialize air conditioning. Oh, really? The troubled history of air conditioning suggests not that we chuck it entirely, 
but that we focus on public cooling, on public comfort, rather than individual cooling or individual comfort. So writes a dum-dum named Eric Dean Wilson in Time Magazine. That will start a war right there. You take away people's air conditioning, it's on. At least I think it would be on. Who knows? The reaction to the pandemic restrictions by Western civilizations have been unprecedented, shocking, egregious, and yet accepted by far too many sheep out there. But I think air conditioning would probably be the big deal thing. How are we going to vote public cooling? How are we going to do public cooling exactly? All right, that's a wrap for tonight. I'm going to go eat the rest of these since they are now disgustingly sitting in my fingertips. Please tell a friend or two if you like this podcast and don't mind the occasional eating of disgusting candy while on the podcast microphone itself. Have a great Monday night, everybody. Enjoy the All-Star Game tomorrow, and we will see you next time. A little bit out of control. It's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix. And if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the alpine blast. Pop in my CD and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back because it's summertime. With baseball in full swing and the NBA playoffs off to a hot start, you can make each and every series matter by having a little bit of something-something in the game with MyBookie.ag. Regardless of whether you're betting favorites or underdogs, player prop bets, or just looking to make some cash, MyBookie gives you tons of options to make all your favorite matches a hell of a lot more exciting. And if you're looking to bet for the first time but don't know what to bet on, we're here to help point you in the right direction. For example, say you see an NBA series in which the team that had been favored is suddenly down 0-1. But you know they're the better team. You know they're going to come back. But suddenly, the series price is a whole lot more attractive now that they're down 0-1. Well, go to mybookie.ag, fire in on that one, and make some sweet coin if it comes home. And if it doesn't, guess what? There's more NBA playoffs to come in football after that. Go to mybookie.ag, sign up now, and use promo code ZABE to get your first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Let them know we sent you. Use our promo code ZABE to get that free deposit bonus and start your day off with a win. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie.